you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. The bodies of 45 victims of the Besatur's bus disaster have arrived home to Macedonia, and the Zayev government manages to make a disgraceful sight out of what should be a mournful and dignified event. When will outgoing Prime Minister Zoran Zayev actually leave office? As we record this podcast, his party, Citizen, before 1991, the League of Communists of Macedonia is set to hold a leadership contest on December 12 to replace him. He has his hand-picked successor, of course, a man almost no one has ever heard of, but others are waiting in the wings, knives out, so to speak. Also, as we record this, the minority ethnic Albanian party, Alternative, is literally debating whether or not to join Zayev's crumbling government and to give him a few more votes to keep his government in place for a few more weeks or months. And as we enter December, when the EU is set to decide yet again on whether or not to start accession talks with Macedonia, Bulgaria, now in the process of forming a government, has once again said they will not allow Macedonia to start those talks, claiming, among other reasons, so-called, quote, hate speech, unquote, against Bulgarians. Bloody buggers, those fascist Bulgarians. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Tvitin Chalimanov in uh, Skopje, Macedonia. Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, uh, good, I guess, considering yes. yeah, it's, everything's it's, happening it's, here. It's a Friday Friday afternoon there, December 3rd. This is episode 128 of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. Uh, end of a week. Very sad for for all of Macedonia mm. to, to have uh, this uh, this day and, and these 45 victims. We haven't had a podcast since the, the bus disaster, yeah. and that was... I think November twenty four or or so, um, and we should probably yeah okay so yeah so uh, the uh, the bus Bessa tours uh, one of four buses and a caravan I guess coming back from a mm. three four day trip to Istanbul uh, somehow there was a terrible terrible accident in Bulgaria uh, in the middle of the night uh, the the bus uh, burned very very quickly um, forty five people died. Mm. Many of them uh, burned beyond recognition. The bodies arrived home today. Uh, the government of, of, of Zoran Zayev actually wanted to, as I mentioned in the monologue, make a spectacle of this, have a large, uh, yeah. uh, you know, live stream, basically, event and, and, and blast it on the, uh, the, the giant Megatron TVs in Skinderbeg Square. Uh, and the families, of course, were horrified by this and asked for, you know, private funerals um what uh what else uh, regarding that uh, that funeral uh can you tell our listeners about so uh, i mean yeah this was easily the biggest uh, civil time disaster in uh, in macedonia or possibly even in uh, uh even in europe in in some time uh, there were news agencies looking into this uh, there hasn't been as deadly a bus accident in 
in 10 years or so mm. in the whole of Europe. I mean, this was completely a, a devastating uh, disaster. The the bus, uh, and again, like in the Titova fire, in the hospital fire in Titova, it's not uh, that something happened in the case of Titova that uh, a defibr defibrillator had too much current going through the wiring, which was apparently not good, so a spark flew. In this case, the fact that the bus apparently uh, hit a fence on the right side of the road, which is protecting like a rest stop area for trucks, mm -hmm. which is really at a corner. So I've driven this highway a lot. It's a good, very recent highway built only like 10 years ago. I never noticed that there is any problem with it. Uh, but when we saw the, the video of the incident, uh, it really is like you go out from a, uh, from a, a bend uh, and then immediately the rest stop is to your right. And if you were following the, the, the third uh, lane of the highway, even though you're not supposed to do so, if you're driving in the third lane, then naturally you get the instinct to go into the rest stop. And once you realize this, you might want to go back onto the highway and then hit a small fence. Mm. But mm. both situations are relatively minor incidents. In both cases, uh, the hospital and the bus caught fire and then burned to a crisp, uh, which they're not supposed to, to do. I mean, the hospital was supposed to be built from uh, uh, not inflammable materials, but at least something that's not going to burn in in few minutes. Mm -hmm. And the bus also, uh, burned so quickly that the people didn't have time to break the windows, even though there were apparently those pointy hammers you used to to hit the window to break it. Apparently there was such a device, or several of them, but uh, they didn't have time before the smoke filled the bus and they started losing consciousness, and only the seven people at the back of the bus managed to get out and even injuring themselves uh, falling from the from the bus, uh, etc. So there is an issue with the highway, but it's a relatively minor thing. And then there is other issues like whether the driver was too tired, whether he was sleeping, speeding. It was a night route uh, from Skopje to Istanbul and back. And this is very popular for, you know, take the family, for shopping. It's still like the imperial capital, you know, go visit, do some light <laughs> shopping, maybe some light smuggling. And this is uh, a reason, well, this was pointed as a possible reason for the disaster because uh, the Turkish lira collapsed. So the gasoline in Turkey is half the price it's in Macedonia. Mm. And uh, one theory was that the driver was smuggling uh, cans of gasoline, uh, you know, to cover his cost, uh, the cost of the trip. The trip right. is ridiculously cheap. It's like eight euros for two nights uh, in a hotel, mm. which is, uh, you know, the trip and the hotel, all in all, it's 80 euros. Wow. So this dirt cheap price, it's also leading to speculations that he was dry, uh, smuggling something. The other theory was that uh, he was carrying... Uh, uh, chemicals used to make heroin, but this was published in some low-level Bulgarian newspapers. So, and it doesn't really make sense. I think uh, most of the manufacturing of drugs is done in uh, Turkey, and then you just smuggle it through the Balkans as a finished product. Uh, so um, these were the two 
you know, conspiracy theories. The Bulgarians said that they have determined the cause, mm. but they still haven't made it public. So they know what, did, what was the reason, whether they're keeping quiet to prepare charges for the owner of the company who is in Bulgaria remained there after the disaster. And, you know, this tour is, is especially popular with families, so this contributed to the dis- disaster having this horrible aspect that uh, 12 of the 45 people who were killed were, were minors, children. Some of them were, you know, uh, there are twins aged four that were killed. Their uh, like schools were closed uh, in um, several schools in Skopje were closed because they had uh, multiple students. In one case, five were from the same extended family um, in one school in Skopje. So this was really, really a horrific uh, disaster. Uh, they, they were the families were going to Istanbul for to do some light shopping in these you know cheap tours and uh, um, so. Uh, it really, really hit the the Albanian community in Macedonia, especially all the victims were, except for one of the drivers, were either Albanian or Muslim Macedonians. Uh, just like in Titov, almost all the victims in the in the hospital disaster were also Albanians, and um, it's a big, big issue in Albanian politics here. It's obvious that the Dui party is completely failing it, you know maintaining standards in transportation and healthcare. I mean, they've been in power since 2008. And then before that, since 2002, almost uninterrupted. Since the war they started in 2001. And you can just now see that things are, are falling apart. They cannot make the basic semblance of competent uh, uh, delivery of uh, services. Like uh, if you build a hospital, that you that the patients know that it won't burn down at the first spark, or uh, you know, do is also controlling a number of regulatory inspections that had oversight over the bus, and they didn't. Uh, you know, the the bus was allowed to leave the country, even though it was not uh, didn't have one set of permits. Now it's apparently even the license plate was fake or bogus in some way. Uh, none of this uh, was put in place after the twenty nineteen disaster on the Skopje Tetova highway in which uh, uh, 16 people were killed. So, you know, we had this uh, push to put the play- system in place. We had a very clear example of what happens when you do not uh, work as you should in the transportation ministry, in the inspections, at the borders, etc. And, um, and none of the lessons were learned from this situation, from this earlier disaster. And today, uh, their decision of the government was to make like... Uh, so first, Zaev had this horrible statement in Bulgaria uh, when he rushed there after the disaster. He said, listen, uh, this is going to positively influence our relations. And what he meant to say was that um, Bulgaria will now find it more difficult to keep blocking us in the EU accession talks after this 45 people were killed. So he was there in Sofia as there were still... Uh, taking the bodies out of the bus, and this is what he was thinking about, the, how we can make a political benefit out of the disaster. Uh, and today, uh, they insisted that, that there is this lavish state funeral. So Bulgarians sent two planes, uh, military planes with the bodies, and uh, the, once they landed in Skopje, the, the government wanted to have to drive them to Skopje through a procession. 
um, then have like a video beam like uh, uh, screens at the Skanderbeg Square um, in downtown Skopje to have citizens gathered and uh, you know like this collective moment of I don't know like uh, mourning and the family said no we don't want you to do this just give us the bodies and get out of here and in the end uh, the government still the entire government went Zaev uh, Pendarovsky, Talat Jaferi, they went to the par- to the airport to uh, for the arrival ceremony. They would they laid some brass, etc. So we had Zav spokes guy, Marian Zabrchenets, post a comment like with the satellite tracks for the Macedonian TV station, which was told to conduct a live uh, to co- cover this event live, and he said we start like we we go live in a few minutes like with exclamation mark on uh, on Instagram like please come everybody watch watch our funeral procession like Jesus and then Zaev was filmed walking around with people and laughing during the event mm. I don't know this is really really crazy situation here right so so the obviously the, the story here is the, the absolute tragedy in terms of human cost um, and our, you know our hearts go out to the families of, of those who lost loved ones in this, uh, and Macedonia mourns. Uh, there was a three-day period of mourning after the mm. uh, the, uh, the disaster, of course. But the, you know, from and and obviously, <clears throat> it was an accident. Uh, but the story here and the question about responsibility is on these issues that you mentioned. Was the driver carrying cans of gas? Uh, mm. Was the bus? Uh, I you know, as I read in numerous articles, the bus was basically completely. Um, rebuilt uh, as a lot of these buses are they <clears throat> they start out new and then over you know the 20 30 year lifespan of the bus uh, the parts are all replaced and whether or not those are uh, you know in 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 line with with code and and certain regulations is, is a matter of question uh you know are are um are the, the parts that are replaced up to uh you know up to regulation up to grade yeah. uh yeah. uh you know and then, then, then there was questions, I think, about, you know, did they have the proper licensing even to, to leave the country? Um, there were questions about that. So there are, in addition to what the Bulgarian uh, investigator's office comes up with and, and to explain the, the crash and why it burned so quickly, there are questions about, um, uh, you know, licensing and, and all kinds of things like this. And, of course, yeah. given, given the past... Um, uh, behavior of uh, Zoran Zaev and Ali Khmeti and their government, um, we can expect absolutely nobody to suffer any consequences whatsoever uh, on these other mm-hmm. issues, I think. Um, we, we're still waiting for uh, uh, Philip Che, to res- yeah. uh, Health Minister Philip Che, to resign over the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Tetovo hospital fire that killed 14 people. Uh, it's just, these yeah. people just don't take responsibility. Um, uh, which erodes confidence in the institutions of government, uh, and and that is vitally important to any any democracy, and and it erodes confidence, it erodes trust, and I think yeah. I think Zoran Zaev is actually smart enough to know that, which is why, as we've talked about and, and written about, he wants out. He's he, he I, I go back to that picture of him uh, in Parliament um, after the failed uh, vote of no confidence when when uh, the opposition uh, couldn't quite get to 61 they got to 60 leaving Zayev with 59 mm. which is you know you do the maths it, it doesn't take uh, 
any algebra there to know that he doesn't have a government, basically. Uh, so he said he was going to resign. Uh, and that well, that picture shows him looking like a scared little rabbit. Uh, well, uh, surfer boy hmm. Arkan Gruby flashes some sort of a gang sign and smiles widely for the cameras. Yeah. Um, so Zayev is, is in the process of, of leaving. He says he's going to leave. Uh, nobody wants nobody on his side wants him to leave. Uh, obviously, Ali Ahmeti and Artan Gruby and Dewey are furious that he wants to leave because they've got a, a bargain uh, uh, between them. they got many bargains between them, but... but um, uh, so, as I understand it now, so there actually is going to be a... a there is a leadership contest planned for the 12th of December within Citizen. Uh Party members vote, and as I understand it, there's about 50,000 party members that can vote in that. Yep. And today, Friday, December 3rd, uh, is the deadline for challengers to file. Uh, and uh, I think the deadline was 4 p.m. It is now after 4 p.m. in Skopje, the Republic of Macedonia. And uh, yep. how many people are challenging Zoanzai for the party leadership, Svetin? Yeah, it's now 4.38, so the no new applications are being accepted. And uh, four are uh, running. So Zayev announced his resignation after he lost the local elections. Then several times he began to change his mind. He announced he's going to resign as party leader and as prime minister. Mm. Uh, up to now, he only resigned as party leader, and they're going to vote on the 12th, as you said, of December. Uh, and he practically elected a successor. Nobody knows the guy. He's deputy finance minister. He worked in Deutsche Telekom for a very long time trying to remember the name, uh, Dimitar Kovacevsky. <laughs> <laughs> he is, uh, sorry, sorry, it's the, it's he is really the, difficult. is the hair apparent? Yeah, uh -oh. the hair and the, the lack of hair is uh, apparent so, anyway, also. Sorry, cheap joke. Uh, his father was uh, mayor of Kumanova, so he comes from mm -hmm. this very important branch of the party, which had a huge split in the local elections. Uh, and, uh, we know nothing about him, really. Hmm. He spoke once in public uh, at a press conference and several times to journalists in like closed uh, interview and uh, nothing, nothing, nothing came out of this of essence. Mm -hmm. um, so he's running. As I've started inviting him to meetings with the this alternative party, which he desperately needs to join the coalition because after the BESA party defected, he lost uh the 62 votes he had he's now down to 59 officially or 60 if we count this kidnapped <laughs> member of parliament who is now with him uh so but he's still 60 it's not 61 he's still not a majority right. uh, yeah uh so it's kovacevsky then uh, there is uh today we had the nomination of jovan despotovsky He's a Shekirinska's guy. So this is the first indication that there is a split in the party. He's utterly, you know, 100% uh, part of her wing. He was member of um, the uh, Secretariat for European Affairs, which all of them were Shekirinska's people. She founded this institution, which is supposed to conduct negotiations with the EU once they begin, and they still haven't begun. Uh, so... Um, he hasn't done much work in his life, you can imagine. Hmm. Uh, so then, when ASDSM uh, took power in 2017, uh, this Despotovsky guy, he was named Director of the Innovation Fund, which gives you grants if you come up with a technologically innovative solution in your business. And uh, 
he kept giving money to people who are openly, you know, SDSM supporters, journalists who support SDSM, officials from SDSM. So, like, he would give money to a company owned by Deputy Prime Minister uh, Kocha and Dushev. Uh, so, ridiculously corrupt institution. <clears throat> and um, since he was removed from this place and he was appointed head of the industrial zones, uh, which uh, were foreign companies set up uh, under this uh, very successful project by Nikola Gruevsky. And he's now trying to pre pretend that he did this, that he's <laughs> responsible or, you know, he should be thanked for the dozens of companies that operate in Macedonia in these industrial zones. <laughs> Even though SDSM protested this solution, this option, this formula. And... Uh, he did nothing, Despotovsky did nothing to bring this about. So he's the second candidate. He's now running as the industrial uh, bureaucrat or something. Mm. And then a third candidate is uh, Frosina Reminsky, who is famous for being involved, uh, being appointed as the full person in the racket scandal by the party, because everybody in the party was involved in the racket scandal, but uh, she was named as the one official who will be blamed and mm. she's currently on trial for extortion and the fourth candidate is another guy from kumanova who is apparently a, a karate enthusiast and nothing else is known about him <laughs> he huh. posted a picture doing karate chops ah okay so that 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 are the four candidates so th so <laughs> the so it sounds like from what you say and given the split in the party uh the it, it could it be an actual real horse race between um the uh, the Zayev wing and the Shekhanenska wing? Well, we thought no, but now with um, Despotovsky's nomination, mm -hmm. I doubt that he's doing this just because. Right. I mean, he could be just like a spoiler candidate, like, uh, and also run to give a, an impression that there was an actual race. Mm. Reminsky and this other karate guy do not give this. Right. But then at the, on the other hand, he's not... The choice, I mean, the the choice to have a Shekerinska person run. I mean, this actually risks splitting the vote. So right. it's a two, two, I mean, it's not uh, a smart choice for an also run. It looks more like an actual thing. Right. Okay. All right. So, so we've got, we've got basically two candidates essentially for citizen leader. So that is going to be on the 12th of December. Uh, hmm. In the meantime, Zayev is, is still the outgoing prime minister. He is, he is trying to cobble together a majority. As you mentioned, he's got probably 60 votes. Uh, opposition has 60. 60 out of 120 is not a majority. Uh, just like our U.S. Senate here is 50-50, it's not a majority. Uh, so Zayev is meeting with um, uh, the, uh, the Albanian party alternative, uh, and mm -hmm. I think they're meeting... Well, they've been meeting off and on. Um, Alternative yep. says that they're interested. They want to, They've got a high price that they want Zayev to pay. Basically, a deputy minister and, and three ministries, I think, or something like that. Uh, they are, as I understand it, their party leadership is supposed to meet this evening to discuss this. Mm -hmm. And I think, from what I've read, at least, it, there seems to be a split within their party as to whether or not to accept Zayev's offer or, or or actually whether or not Zayev is going to accept their offer is, is yeah. we, to use the british uh, expression um they've got they've they've got Zayev by the short and curlies on this almost yeah. uh 
So, so what 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 can we expect there if they're meeting tonight, or is this thing going to just keep dragging on? And in the me and in the meantime, before we answer that, uh, obviously we're 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 moving towards December the fourteenth when the EU is supposed to hold mm-hmm. some some session where they where the windbags talk uh, about whether or not to allow Macedonia and uh, Albania to begin talks and Bulgaria, yeah. even though it's basically got a government, they're still negotiating. Uh, Ruman Radev, the president, has basically said, no, we're not going to allow you to start uh, EU accession talks, and, and, and here's why. And the, gov- the new government of Bulgaria seems to be saying the same thing. So... Um, what do you expect back on the on the le- on the um, the government formation? Well, yeah, I mean, he does not have sixty-one votes. He survived the vote of no confidence in parliament by kidnapping this uh, based <laughs> member of parliament. Right. So uh, even the constitution says you can't uh, have another vote in three months. Although it's doubtful, the vote didn't actually take place. So it's not clear whether this will work or not. This uh, applies. Or not, but yeah, it's likely that he will survive for a few months. I mean, is the SM, DSDSM coalition, Zaf, is eager to leave the party and also the government, apparently because, you know, we have huge economic issues, inflation. It's really noticeable. We have uh, Bulgarian demands, which are apparently excessive. Uh, We have um, energy crisis. There is no contract uh, for... Supplying electricity to households for next year, which it's a it's a routine contract when things are when the power plants are functioning normally, but and they cannot sign this because you know it indicates there is a big problem. So you know all these problems are accumulating. Zaf wants to go. Dewey kept saying that he can't leave, that he needs to remain in place until and needs to sign a treaty with Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. They're saying, but also they're indicating that you know when they say. Listen, we have a deal with Zaev that he will stay for four years, that we will stay as a coalition for four years. So he says, um, I mean, that's that's a way for Dewey to also say that, well, if Zaev leaves, we can break the coalition and make, maybe make a new arrangement elsewhere. So this is, I think, the game they're playing. Uh, the party that left the coalition, Bayside, only had one seat in government. It's the agriculture ministry which is now vacate there is no minister mm-hmm. and they had like you know positions across you know middle management stuff like that or and two deputy ministers somewhere mm. and now the alternative is apparently demanding uh three departments in the government so triple the <laughs> price and plus one position of deputy prime minister and it also wants allegedly that one of the departments it gets is healthcare which is, mm. you know, lucrative. super l- lucrative. <laughs> and, and they have the right, they can say that because, you know, it was almost all the victims of the disaster in Tetova were Albanians of the, of, the fire, of the hospital fire. And because uh, nobody was held responsible for this disaster, uh, as you mentioned, that, you know, the Albanians have a legitimate demand that this department is placed under a competent Albanian minister, because obviously they cannot, they're being, uh, not only their uh, disaster happens, but there is no political accountability after this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there they have Zayev by the short and curlies, and they're going to have a, 
make excessive demands and uh, uh, he does not have much of a choice. He has to accept them because otherwise he goes to elections. And now the question is whether this new new party leader, uh, if Kovacevsky is elected new leader, I mean, if he can unite the uh, wings of the party, like Shakirinska's wing and uh, Tsarvenkovsky's wing, which most prominently abstained from the local elections, and keep Zayev's supporters in check, uh, and uh, <clears throat> and then maybe form a pre-election coalition with Dewey against Vimero, which would probably form a coalition with the opposition Albanian party, the Alliance of Albanians. Well, in that case, they might have a chance in the uh, in early general elections. Mm. But these are so many moving parts. We are likely to have a major energy issue in January, or at, at least a price hike, a, a major price hike. Inflation is unlikely to stop. Bulgaria is very unlikely to allow us to open accession talks. So all this accumulation of disasters, uh, you know, if elections are held in spring, as Vimera demands, it's very likely to be a Vimera blowout. And um, so I don't know if Zaf is just trying to flee and then blame electoral defeat sometime next year on his successor, or if he's really trying to, uh, you know, uh, create some kind, try to create some kind of a stable-ish government with 63, 64 seats in parliament, which is yeah, difficult. Right. And it will be very shaky, even if he can do that and short-lived. Uh, and plus, Svetin, you forgot to throw in there, uh, to add to the crushing morosity, uh, the uh, the COVIDs and the, the new oh, yeah. uh, Omicron uh, variant, uh, which the media, at least here and in Western Europe, at least, are freaking out over, mm. even though not much is known. And the South African doctors that discovered it first have said the symptoms are very mild. Uh, so, but... Uh, so you got to throw in that, uh, the winter flu season, winter in general, uh, yeah. very cold temperatures. Um, and so, uh, although it was, uh, 85 Fahrenheit here the other day, which I think is what, 24 uh, Celsius. So sorry. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we're, we're outdoors still, uh, you, you throw in all that. Then of course you throw in the fact you've got Christmas coming up. Uh, I mean, you've got. Even though, obviously, Macedonians, Orthodox Christmas is the 7th, the, the Protestant Catholic is the 25th of December, and then you got New Year's in between. But anyway, everything just slows down. you got the, 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 the uh, winter break for the, for the students at school. Uh, just all of this stuff kind of coming together. And uh, I just don't see politically, um, you know, any, certainly for Macedonia, no good news. It just seems to be muddling along. Although I noticed uh, Nikola Dimitrov here said that some uh, some other <clears throat> confab where the windbags talk a lot uh, uh, basically said that um, we shouldn't tie ourselves to dates, uh, uh, mm-hmm. trying to uh, or trying to yeah, downplay yeah. the the December fourteenth decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is uh, likely going to be a bust. Bulgaria is supposed to have a government uh, in a few weeks, uh, probably after the. Uh, European Council, and even if they have a government in time for the Council, some of the coalition partners there, so like these new guys, I mean, all the parties are new there, this newest new party, which won the elections, the PP, mm-hmm. uh, they said that um, they seem to be more open to, uh, you know, uh, cutting a deal. Uh, 
with Zaev, but the Socialist Party is going to be part of this, yeah. and uh, they blocked the adoption of a more conciliatory proposal made by the PP Party. And uh, there is the PP Party, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and then there is uh, the um, this showman guy, uh, Slavi Trifonov, who won last time, did not do so well this time, but still has a, an important role in the coalition. He's also very assertive. So, I mean, the, even the best case scenario for Zaev would be that Bulgaria allows Macedonia to open accession talks, but in exchange for very firm commitment by the whole of the EU that all of its demands, like changes to the history, to the national identity, hmm. are made uh, part of the accession process, so they would automatically be able to block us in the future. So, you know, you don't know what's worse for us, actually, whether to delay the opening of accession talks or uh, to accept that the accession talks are going to be a uh, never-ending list of unilateral demands from Bulgaria to Macedonia, which we will have to accept. So, um, yeah, it's um, all going to be <laughs> real difficult for whoever is in charge <laughs> in, in the future. Which is why, and I think we're of the same opinion, I think that... Uh, Macedonia should just cease this nonsense of, of trying to become an EU member yeah, and, uh, and yeah. figure out an alternative, even though uh, double entendre here, Zayev says there is no alternative, um, yeah. as he talks to alternative. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a lazy argument. That argument, there is no alternative to EU membership, is number one, it's designed to sh shut down debate. It means... You, we're done talking. You you can't say anything else. It's it's a lazy argument. It means that there's just there's no other way. Seriously, you know, uh, other countries yeah. have have uh, been able to to make it without being a member of the EU. Uh, and of course, our our friends in the United Kingdom <laughs> left the EU for for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Poles and the Hungarians uh, have their issues with the EU, uh, although they want to remain as EU members. But for them, it's an issue of sovereignty. Um, as we've talked about many times in this podcast, a, a, a sovereign parliament of a nation state, a, a country, cannot therefore then give its powers to another parliament, in this case the European Union. Uh, it, that's not the way democracy works, or is it's supposed to work. Yeah. I mean, if you want to have some other form of government, if you want to have a European super state and everybody's parliament is subservient to the European Union parliament and they're treaties and their judiciary and everything else subservient to that, I mean, which is what the European Union wants, the, the fathers and mothers of, uh, I'm not trying to make a, a slide when I say mothers, as in, no, mother, anyway, mm. uh, but um, that's what they're aiming towards, but anyway, going back to what I started with, there are alternatives, and I think, you think, I know that Macedonia should try and figure out a different way. I know... Now, of course, Vumro, when it gets back in power, and it will at some point, is going to have those same issues that it faces. You know, how do you how do you get around this? The the bloody buggers that are the Bulgarians, yeah. um, you know, keep claiming this, that, and the other, and and they're never going to let go of that. And no amount of of jaw jawing by the State Department or the EU is going to change their mind. I think. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. is already openly saying that. Uh, all countries in the Balkans uh, that are not in the EU need to join this other 
initiative, the Open Balkan Initiative, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> looks like an alternative uh, version of the EU under, you know, like uh, alternative version of Yugoslavia without the good parts, <laughs> like Croatia and Slovenia, and with the parts like uh, Albania and, uh, you know, Kosovo is, of course, right? So <clears throat> we call it Albanoslavia. Uh, I mean, the way in which the U.S. pushes for this arrangement really bodes nothing good good for us. And uh, some of the Albanians are saying it's too Serbian-dominated. And even some in Bulgaria even understand that by blocking Macedonia from EU accession talks, they're pushing us into uh, the Serbian embrace, mm -hmm. back into the Serbian embrace. But uh, consider another thing. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, a situation where ZAF was brought into power by the internationals, by the US, by the EU, by a number of EU officials, the Soros network, etc. And um, there is no, really no, they're not shy about, uh, the diplomats in Skopje are not shy about taking sides uh, in the political dispute here. Like, you know, we, have, we had with the Dutch guys intervening, apparently, to keep him still in power before the vote of no confidence. Uh, we have a serious worsening of our international situation, on our, I mean, on people on the right. We have uh, uh, the left taking over in Germany. Mm. Now, they, they held, the left in Germany has held the foreign ministry for decades. I mean, uh, <laughs> they, they sometimes swap it with the Greens or the Liberals, never with the Conservatives. Mm -hmm. The last time a conservative was foreign minister of Germany was in the 60s. You can check this out. I'll look it up. And uh, so we had uh, extreme pressure from Germany, even against the right, even when uh, Merkel was nominally prime minister, a nominal conservative. But now they're going to take over the government, the left's taking over the government full time. So we can imagine that what was... Uh, Maybe ten percent of holding back by Merkel is now, uh, you know, to stop the the attacks on the right mm -hmm. is now going to be gone. Uh, they're going to become a fully activist uh, foreign ministry, you know, like color revolution funding government in in the region, obviously focused on Hungary and uh, Slovenia and uh, Poland, but very likely, you know, the places they have gained already, they're going to invest to keep. Not, not to allow their people to lose power in Macedonia. Mm -hmm. There is no more pretense of any neutrality or diplomatic, I don't know, uh, even-handedness. Then in the U.S. we had the State Department, you know, all, a lot of the troubles we went through were under Trump, uh, but the State Department kept doing its thing, the thing it started under Obama, but now they're under Biden, so they're even more, you know, their hands are untied, uh, Phil Ricker is in uh, London, apparently coordinating things. They have Piat in Athens. So, you know, there is really no, uh, uh, there's going to be no holding back uh, in the influence of the U.S. Embassy. So I think we are going to have a lot of pressure put on uh, the surviving conservative countries in the region and just look what's happening in Austria mm. uh, recently. Uh, so this is going to be a very unfavorable environment for Wimmer to come back. Despite all the disasters which we mentioned and um, the fact that Zaev is actively making the situation with Bulgaria worse by his appeasement tactics and uh, that uh, he failed to deliver on the main promise, which is EU accession talks and uh, 
this corruption, etc. I mean, they're gonna keep supporting him. Oh, so. yeah, no, that's that's always. You, and you forgot to mention the the U.S. State Department envoy uh, Pablo Escobar. Sorry, uh, Gabriel Escobar. No. Um, no. <laughs> so the uh... I I I, I t- totally thought that it's Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, I saw it. Now, I don't, I can't remember if he replaced um, the uh, the author. Oh, sorry, State Department official yeah, and author. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, what was, I can picture him because, because he just shaved off his yeah. goatee. Uh, he, uh, so he's clean shaven now. Um, uh, Matthew Palmer. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, who's still around. I saw him in Bosnia the other day doing something. I mean, I was uh-huh. in Bosnia, but... I saw that he was in Bosnia, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't get around that much. Uh, so yeah, you're right. All of these, the, this, 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 uh, this cast of characters of the State Department, European Union, NATO, together with their friends in the mainstream media, think tanks, academia. I think we've seen a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a subtly increasing number of folks in the mainstream media, think tanks, even center right think tanks, saying that Vomero mm. is is pro-Russian. Uh, without presenting a shred of evidence. I mean, when you call somebody pro-Russian, it's 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 the same thing as saying you're a fascist or a racist. It means I don't like you. I don't like what you say. Yeah. And you don't have to present any evidence when you start throwing around these things. But they're not true, of course. Um, Vomero was uh, pro-NATO, pro-EU uh, long before Sirsum was back in 1991, maybe even before 1991. Uh, well, no, they formed in 1991. Mm. So, but... There's just absolutely no evidence whatsoever uh, because it's not true. So, but we're going to see an increasing number of, of folks throw these things out because they can, and yeah. and uh, it's up to yeah, yeah, people yeah. like us and, and others to challenge them on this uh, because they're lying is what they are. But again, these are these are the kind of people who are comfortable with lies because it is in support of their agenda, and their agenda is nothing but power eventually, uh, ultimately. So, uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that. So. All right, that's a break. Uh, yeah, uh, we didn't. Yeah, sure, we can close yeah. it, and I will record myself adding a bit more about. Uh, you know, we mentioned that it was a spectacle with the uh, funeral today or the handing over ceremony, but we didn't go into details. You moved too quickly on the political uh, yeah. stuff, so I'll, I'll record myself and then add add it somewhere in my monologue there. Uh, it's called, and you know what, you know what the the uh, the phrase is for the U.S. military. It's called the dignified transfer. Uh, oh, okay, yes, okay. Uh, I don't know if yeah, I, I don't yeah, know if other I, countries use that term or not. But. Well, I mean, we don't go to wars that much <laughs> to have a That's true. to have yeah, a procedure yeah, we're, for we're that. the warmongering state. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we haven't had much. Although we are sending soldiers to Latvia apparently, so okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what that means. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, yeah. How do you want to close this? Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, uh, the the EU, the State Department, EU, NATO, and their friends. Oh uh, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and I I think I said we'll continue to monitor it or something like that. So. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I'll I'll just say something and then. Uh, okay. Yeah. We we okay. sign off. Yeah. And they and they will they they have never stopped monitoring us, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Meddling in our stuff. Uh, oh, you, yes, including probably our phones and this podcast and everything else. So hello to our friends and and uh, and uh, that are in the State Department, the EU, NATO, etc., that are literally monitoring yeah. our 
are off recording uh, comments, etc. So you don't have to record the podcast. We're <laughs> going to publish it online. You don't have to wiretap this. No, this was a great. I had this great exchange once on Twitter with uh, Michael McFaul. He was oh, yeah. this very aggressive Obama guy in Russia, and uh, he had a podcast with some. Uh, I think it was with Ricochet or something, and he said. Um, Wait, yeah, they said it, said this live that Putin is uh, he has this, all these capabilities. He's he has capability to record us uh, live on the while we're talking. Uh, but th this was said on the podcast, and I, I remember I took this bit out, put it on Twitter, and they and McFaul uh, genuinely retweeted this, like seriously. Yes, that's true. I said, dude, you, you're you're recording a podcast. <laughs> I I was able to to hear you say that. <laughs> oh. That's great. Well, let's let's just remember when yes, since you since you brought in Russia, the, the Russians and the Chinese mm -hmm. are developing hypersonic uh, missiles and vehicles, which will then mm -hmm. be capable of evading uh, defensive positions and delivering first strike capabilities. But mm -hmm. but Svetin, we the West, NATO, will be able to throw hundreds and hundreds of pronouns at them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on that cheerful note. <laughs> time to end the podcast. All right. Talk to you later. You too, buddy. Take care.